0: This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. This is very, very much anticipated show. I've got number of calls from people and emails saying. Where's the show? <laughs> I said, well, it's coming. We've, we've had some, <laughs> we've had some scheduling issues. Yeah, three people in the last day. Oh well, asked me. Three, three people. people. Well, that's more than we normally get. That's they don't right. Normally, ask. So here we are. We're back. Uh, I was away, so I blame me. Uh, I went to visit the Grand Canyon, and if you've never been there, it's a giant hole in the ground. It's really pretty, but it's a giant hole in the ground.
1: So wait, you weren't? You didn't really enjoy the Grand Canyon? I'd been there before.
0: So okay. it wasn't new to me. Uh, my wife and daughter had not been there, and we took my niece uh, with us. So it was a it was a pleasant experience, I think. Uh, but it was very expensive. So here's what I'll say. If you ever go to the Grand Canyon, you haven't been there, and you're going to stay overnight and you're going to eat any kind of food there, expect to pay an awful lot. And here's what I'll say. Because
1: there's nothing else available.
0: Well, so when I was there, when I was 10, when I was there sort of the first time, and it was not much. There it was a hotel and you know, a little diner. There's a there's more stuff there, but it's it's like a Wendy's and a McDonald's, two steakhouses and a pizza place, but you're gonna pay a lot. Like a McDonald's, four people at a McDonald's. You, That's you, normally like should be around twenty five to twenty eight. It was forty eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes, my my niece and my daughter each got the two cheeseburger. My, my daughter got a Happy Meal and my niece got a two cheeseburger meal. The two cheeseburger meal was nine fifty. Two cheeseburger. Go to McDonald's right now and I order the two cheeseburger meals. Yeah, isn't that like fries four and bucks? Drink. Yeah, it was nine fifty. <laughs> so right. Everything was uh, just a little bit higher than uh, a Holiday Inn Express over two hundred dollars for one night. Wow. Yes. Because they got you. Well, they do. They, I mean, there was a Holiday Inn Express, a Best Western, and then you could stay at the um, Bedrock Inn. And it's just like you think it's the Flintstones themed oh. restaurant or um, hotel. Anyway, I was there. It was great. I didn't want to come back to the cold weather where we're at now. It was very nice and pleasant. Uh, it's been Thanksgiving there. Got to have smoked pork butt for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Which was awesome.
1: I've right. had that before. It is very good.
0: I don't care for turkey that much. It's okay. You know, it's
1: funny. I, I don't. I'm fine with turkey for Thanksgiving, and I like it when it has all the other stuff with it. Yeah. But in general, I'm not a huge uh, turkey person.
0: I'm not either. I, I'll eat it. I I really only like the dark meat. If it's white That's meat. That's kind of the way like, I am. I'm like, oh, white meat, please. But it was smoked pork butt, turkey, and uh, glazed honey-baked ham. Wow. That sounds, like, so, that sounds like a feast. I think there was other things there, but I re- just remember the meat.
2: Uh, Of course, (laughs) that's that's what's important. What are
0: you going to remember? The bean casserole? Uh, No, if there was one, I didn't have any of it. Let's put it that way. So let's move on with what's gone on since we've been last in touch. Uh, The caravan has made it to the U.S. border, hasn't crossed over, but has made it to the Tijuana uh, U.S. border. And I want to play a clip from CBS News because... I think they've nailed it, exactly what's going on here. I'm with the sure so, I'm sure they and have. And I got from some from Ami Horowitz, which I think is opposite of what CBS is. So let's play this.
3: Karina Gutierrez is a mother of three from Honduras. She arrived here with the caravan 16 days ago and says the shelter's conditions are terrible. They have no water to drink. We have no food, she says. The bathrooms are overflowing and contaminated. The Juana Secretary of Social Development, Mario Ozuna, says the shelter is over capacity by about 2,000 people. No para... We are not prepared to take in more people, he says. There isn't a city in the world who could be prepared. But some have had enough. At this tent run by the International Organization for Migration, about 60 to 100 people a day are lining up to voluntarily go back to their home country. The Department of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, said in a statement, the violence we saw at the border was entirely predictable. We will continue to prepare for the next assault while looking for lasting solutions with Congress. Now, on the flip side, the Mexican government is now asking the U.S. to conduct a full investigation of the non-lethal weapons aimed at Mexican territory. <laughs> Biana, this mean- I
0: thought that part was the Wait, best. Wait,
3: aimed at Mexican territory? <laughs> territory. Are yeah. they talking about tear gas?
0: The tear gas and the rubber bullets that were shot at the... Aimed at Mexico. Mexi- yeah, Mexico. You you fired into our sovereign land. Right, okay. Do your job and keep them from getting there, and we don't have this problem. Well, I'm sure it'll be a long investigation. Uh, yeah, good, good luck with that. So... Everything you've read in the, in the media or heard in the media says this is a caravan of women and children. Women and children, women and children, women and children. So Ami Horowitz, who uh, does some stuff for PragerU, he was on Fox News, and he talked about – he went down there and actually saw everybody. So I'm going to play what he said.
2: We, we don't. We know What we do know is this whole thing cost millions and millions of dollars. And, and the mainstream media – and there's so many layers to this onion to peel back, it's hard to know where to begin – but one of the lies, the fake news, if you will, that the mainstream media is trying to propagate is the fact that this is all this weird, this organic thing, and all <laughs> the water and the food and the medicine all dropped from mana from heaven. It's baloney. It's all highly organized. It's paid for by a number of organizations. We don't know exactly where the money is coming from. We do know that, that uh, Pueblo Sin Frontera, which is the, the main group which organizing this caravan, has a couple of front organizations in the United States. And the money is flowing from them to Pueblos y Fronteras. We know there are some leftist groups. I know it's, it's, it's forbidden to say that Soros is part of it. But Soros has, in fact, funded at least some of those groups in the past. So we don't know where the money is exactly coming from. We know it's not coming from Honduras.
4: So why would, I mean, it's such an interesting and obvious question. Who's paying for this? Why haven't other news organizations gotten to the bottom of this? You're one man. You're doing this independently. Why isn't NBC News or ABC or PBS, why aren't they on this?
2: Oh, come on. You know the answer to that. They don't want to get to the bottom of it. They have no, they have no interest politically in getting yeah. to the bottom of it. It's the same reason why they, whenever you see, when you see a photo in the New York Times, the Washington Post, or a video in, in CNN or the BBC or MSNBC, what do you see? You see the, whole, the, the entire framing are women and children. When the reality is so far from the truth, 90 to 95% of all the people in this caravan are men. Although I do apologize for assuming their gender. (laughs)
0: That was good at the end. So he had an eight-minute video I watched on YouTube about, and I would have played it except it was all subtitled, and that doesn't work well with our podcast. A lot of men, and what we saw last Sunday was men charging the border, throwing rocks at the border security. So the lie is that these people are all women and children, just trying to come here. Now, in his interview with all these different people, all the migrants thought that the borders should be open; that it was the best thing to do was open the borders, and they were all coming. Every single one he interviewed was coming for a job, right? Which does not—they're not, they're make not them asylum seekers.
1: Well, they—they they understand. Yes, the reason that they're the reason that people are paying
0: to have them herded up here. Yes, so I don't. That doesn't surprise me at all. No, it, but it, that's not anything you hear anywhere outside of, of what not. he was talking about. Everybody else tells you, oh, they're just – they're fleeing their country. They're fleeing poverty. That's yep. true. And he showed clip after clip of trucks filled with food and water and tents with medicine. And as he said, somebody's paying for this. This isn't just 7,000, 8,000, 9,000 people just saying, I'm just going to wander up the border. That doesn't happen. So are we – We've talked about this. We are within our rights to maintain sovereignty of our borders, but it seems like we're still being cast as the evil country, even though Mexico didn't stop them and could have. Honduras could have stopped them and didn't. We're the, we're the bad guys because we're not letting them in to come here and reach the largesse. Now, I believe, and I think you've said this before, I think this is a test for more of this. I truly believe that.
1: Every time anything like this happens, it's a test. That's the whole point. Right. Do we have the political will to maintain our borders and tell people that unless you are a legitimate asylum seeker – and I think I saw another report recently where in, in terms of people that would actually qualify for refugee you know, or asylee status, it, it's literally less than like 6 or 7% yeah. of the entire caravan, which again, we knew this because mm-hmm. these people are – Economic migrants. Mm -hmm. That is what they are. They are Mm -hmm. leaving impoverished and crime-ridden areas. They want a better life in America. You and I have discussed the fact that (laughs) so would we. But this simply doesn't change the fact that they need to abide by our laws. And if a country's sovereignty is going to be dictated by, well, there's a lot of poor people at your border and you just simply need to let them in, then you don't have a country anymore. Correct. And so I, I wish that people would be honest uh, well, of course, they're not going to be. And <laughs> the people that say this caravan should be let in, because again, uh, most of them, in fact, the vast, vast majority do not qualify for asylum status.
0: And that's, let's say it, that's under existing U.S. law. This isn't Donald Trump. This is right. existing U.S. law. Yeah. If you, you want to change don't the law, qualify. change the law. There are
1: very specific things that you have to demonstrate in order mm-hmm. to obtain that status. 93, percent of these people do not meet that criteria. And so if you're going to say that these people should still get in, what you're really saying is that anyone who comes to this country who is poor should be allowed to flout our laws and be g- gain ad- immediate admittance. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fine. Make that argument. But you are for open borders. Yes. That is what you are for.
0: Correct. Correct. Now, I watched a clip from um, Charles Krauthammer, and he, he went on about border security. Now, he's since passed, since this was recorded, but he said we – You have to do two things, maintain the sovereignty of your border, and then figure out a way to deal with the roughly 11 million illegals who are here currently. And he said you can't send the 11 million back or give them amnesty until you get control of the border. The border has to be the first and foremost concern. Call it a wall, call it a fence, call it whatever you want. It works. It reduces it. And he pointed out a lot of countries in Europe have done this. They don't talk about it, but right. they've done it because they need to reduce the spread of refugees from the Middle East as well. So, I thought that was very interesting. And he said, "This is not politically expedient. This is not what most people want. But you give the once you control the borders, you give you give amnesty to the 11 million here. You do not give them citizenship. You give them the right to work here." But you have to get your e-verify done, and you have to make sure you control the visas, things like that. Right, but we don't. But we don't we do don't any have, of that. We don't have the political will to do any of that. And things. that's what he said. Until you have all that control, you cannot give them amnesty because it just invites more people to come. Yeah. Which it did in '86 when Reagan signed a, a lot to allow people to give amnesty, three million in '86. Now we have eleven million. So it didn't stop it; it, it increased it. Uh, do you agree with you agree with Karl Hammer or not that what? Give amnesty to the $11 million here once you control the border? I don't know. Um,
1: I probably don't necessarily agree with that because I don't believe that there's any ability to – what Krauthammer wants I don't think will ever happen. Because people don't have the political courage to do the prerequisite things mm-hmm. that would justify an amnesty, and so in my view, what an amnesty is is just the beginning of additional amnesty. It's the same. It's mm-hmm. the same game they play that oh well, on, you know, on the budgetary side, listen, we'll agree to cut spending at some time in the future, uh, but right now we need Not all of these. We need all of these tax increases, right? Yeah. Like no, no, no. I never go. That away. needs to happen now, yeah. right? So all of this promised. Oh sure, look, let's just let them in. You know, amnesty, all the 11 million and don't worry. Yeah, sure. Well, we'll take care of you. Verify. No, they won't.
0: No. So. Well, he's saying you have to get rid of that. You have to get that. e verify the visa and the wall. Right. Before you but even talk about amnesty. But my point is that that's not going to
1: happen. So oh. it's almost an irrelevant. It's okay. an irrelevant conversation because all of those things. And by the way, I lump the Republicans in with the Democrats. Oh, the Republicans have no interest in seriously addressing this either because it's political cowardice. Sure. Uh, they're, they're afraid that there's going to be blowback. I think the irony is is that one of the reasons that Donald Trump got elected is because he's one of the few people uh, that spoke honestly about – now, again, you could say, yes, he spoke hatefully. Uh, we're not going to get into that. Whatever you feel about Donald Trump's words about immigrants, the reality is there are many, many people in this country who are concerned about enforcing our borders, and they don't want to mistreat people, and they believe that people should be um, dealt with with dignity mm-hmm. and all of those things, but the politicians that run away from this because they're scared to even talk about it, I actually think they're foolish. Okay. There is a, a huge groundswell of people in this country, many of whom voted for Trump, who are sick and tired of you know this inability to do anything. And mm-hmm. as I pointed out before, this notion of empathy and compassion for these people, and you should have that. It never, ever is directed to what are the other people on the other side of this equation? What about empathy and compassion for them, Mm -hmm. meaning the people whose communities they're coming into? We talked about this, this media fiction that it's all women and children. No, it's not. It's mostly men between 18 and 35, Mm -hmm. even if very many of them are all model citizens and great people there is a guaranteed segment that are not mm-hmm. and it is just amazingly um you know the audacity of people to sit in dc and in, from their you know from their uh, study to say ah just let them in do we think should you, have compassion do you think
0: it's naive that they that some of these people don't believe that there's bad people in that group or is it calculated. I know they are, and I don't care. My
1: point is, of course they believe it. They know this. They simply want to ignore it. And again, this is true of any group of people. So, (laughs) do you think the same people would believe there were any bad white people if a group of six to 10,000 white men showed up? I would. (laughs) They would probably be printing article after article about the number of militia members and Aryan supremacists and, (laughs) you know, whatever. People who want to kick puppies. So the idea that there's nobody bad in this crew and all we focus on is the fact that there's women and children. And again, it struck me, the first clip that you played with the woman that was complaining about the fact that we don't have sufficient, like, the sense of entitlement there. Listen, (laughs) you have come to a country, you have overrun, you're trying to overrun the border, Mm -hmm. you want access in violation of that country's laws, and you are indignant by the way you have you have journeyed across a very dangerous you know it's a dangerous
0: trip well, you enter- brought children you have placed them in harm's way they entered a sovereign country without permission and traveled the length of the sovereign country and nobody stopped them right well and again but this just shows you this shows you they have an
1: expectation well, what do you mean we don't have enough? We need to have comfortable lodging. and we. Mm-hmm. Why would you have that expectation? You know why? Because the people that are funding this, that's exactly what these people have been led to believe. Sure. Don't worry about it. You're going to get there. You're going to get in. You'll be able to basically go to the interior of the country, go to a sanctuary city. You'll have a job. And then they're angry when, when this happen. isn't the reality. Well,
0: they, they, they said they were protesting at the border. I, I'm not sure... What that means because they were throwing rocks at the border agents. They were trying to storm the border. Yeah. That sounds like, and I don't want to use Donald Trump's rhetoric, but it sounds like an invasion when you're trying to break down a wall to get into somewhere you're not supposed to be. That's, we call that breaking and entering yeah. here in the United States. You are not allowed to come in. You you violently try to get in and then seem shocked when somebody tries to oppose you. And there's no other country in
1: the world no. that would allow these people to come in in this fashion.
0: Well, Mexico mm- did, but yeah. Well, not really. They, they weren't violent coming in, they just walked across the border. Well, sure. Because, but Mexico is a vested interest in them continuing well, further. That's what I'm thinking. They're, they're making it, hey, you're not, kick that can down the road, you keep moving. Now, I want to know we say this is a concerted effort. Was it? Do you think it was always a concerted effort? Was there actually some grassroots? Hey, we're going to make a move, I'm, and we saw something valuable here. We can make a. I'm statement sure. Out of it.
1: I'm sure. There's look, people. There are. There's a whole bunch of interest at play here, but there's no doubt that this is being funded from groups on Correct. the outside. Now,
0: was it originally? Do you think?
1: I think originally it was as well. Okay, I do think there's probably a lot of people who saw this and said, "You know what? I'm going. I'm leaving too." <laughs> yeah. Great. That's what they wanted. They wanted to attract as many people as possible to create what I think what they hoped is it's going to be this, you know, this political pressure now. Look at all of these people at the border. How can you possibly turn away? Where is your compassion? And that's what they want. They want. And I think Donald Trump. One of the things about Donald Trump is he just doesn't behave the same way that your standard Republican president behaves. Now, many would say that's, yeah, damn straight he does not and that's why he's evil and wicked and terrible. But you know what? (laughs) One of the things that he doesn't do is he doesn't curl into the fetal position when people lob these sort of accusations. Mm -hmm. Again, you can say all you want about his rhetoric and the things that he shouldn't have said. My point is, is that... Even if you had a Republican president who never said any of this, you would still be getting the argument, it is racist and bigoted and inhumane to enforce the border. How dare you? You need to let them in. And most of them, that's the reason they won't agree on any of this stuff, would roll over and play dead, right? Trump doesn't respond to that at all. He doesn't care.
0: Well, I I believe every president at their inauguration is, they take an oath of office that does they have to uphold the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America? Now, in this situation, now I'm not going to say he's done it everywhere because I don't know what he has or hasn't done. But in this situation, he's upholding the laws of the Constitution of the United States. Every other president should do the yes. same. It's not without question. If the law says you don't come in and you don't qualify for asylum, you cannot let them in. That's the law. That's what you agreed to do when you took the office. If you couldn't do that, you shouldn't have run for president. Any of you. I don't care who it was, whether Republican or Democrat. These are the laws. The president should be able to stand
1: up and say, we will treat every person that comes to the border in a humane fashion. They all have dignity. We will make sure that they are processed as efficiently as possible. But the reality is we are a nation of laws. There is a right way and a wrong way to enter this country. Mm -hmm. If there are people legitimately seeking asylum... Or are legitimately refugees, those people will be handled the way we always handle them, under federal law. We will make those determinations. People who are genuinely seeking asylum, they will get in. Mm-hmm. Others who are not will not get in. And we will not apologize for enforcing the borders
0: of our country. Do you think, that, how hard is it to say that? It's pretty easy. Do you think Trump has threatened to close this border crossing? Close it completely? What, a Tijuana? Yeah. Do you think that's... Good I bad? don't
1: um, I don't I don't really think it's good, bad or indifferent uh, for I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it is I either. think that's another one of those things that he just throws one of his grenades right. that he throws out there. Um, look, my attitude would be if we
0: actually can't control that section of the border, it should be closed. Yeah, I agree. Close it. Now, what about the tear gas? Because that was the big deal. Yes, Through tear, tear gas. For, don't forget, Obama did it monthly. Right. Well, that's that is the response. If you're upset about tear gas
1: now and you weren't upset about tear gas, then you need to be quiet. Yeah. I'm not listening to you. OK. <laughs> and the media wasn't. They didn't care because no. this was going on routinely under Obama, by the way, properly. So correct. I have no problem with that. Nope. But now it's an issue because it's bad orange man.
0: Well, I know I know it seems awful to say you think tear gas, which is uncomfortable and unpleasant. And if you have ever I've not experienced, but I know people have. It's not a pleasant experience. And being shot with rubber bullets, you can harm people. You yeah, can cause damage. They're not—they're considered non-lethal, but they're, if you hit them in the eye or something, you can cause some real damage. But as opposed to real bullets, sure. Which would you prefer? Because if I'm being attacked, and my job is to defend this plot of ground, whether I agree what with you, it or not,
1: if the people—if you don't want the use of uh, non-lethal. Things like tear gas and rubber bolts. What is your proposal?
0: We can't do water cannons because that's got the right. What's the right proposal? The <laughs>
1: proposal. The only proposal is do nothing and let them come in. Correct. That, that's again. That that's is the, the position. Option. Right. You shouldn't use tear gas. You should just let them in.
0: Correct. OK. Which, that's not that shouldn't be an option either. That... No.
1: But, but again, that's their position. They never actually want to state that. Right. They just want to show the pictures of the horrible people using tear gas, which again, nobody wants that to happen. No. But who who's creating this situation? The people that are attempting to break the law and cross the border. So, do they have any moral agency here in no. causing this? No. No. But again, you never hear them say what What is your position? So we shouldn't use tear gas. What should we do? the The unspoken answer is let them in. <laughs> we you're don't right. want to have a border.
0: It, if you're, they can't claim the moral majority or moral high ground on this because at least 100 of them or more, were throwing rocks and violently trying to get in. So you've lost any – I don't care what the rest of the other 7,000, 8,000 people were doing. At least 100 of them were trying to break down the border wall and throwing rocks, trying to harm you. You've lost – they have to respond because you're violent. You were not peaceful. So they they lose all that, in my opinion. Right, there's no – You're peaceful. There's no tear gas
1: flying if they're –
0: Standing there
1: there in a group, you can chant waiting to be processed.
0: Yeah, you can chant if you want, but when you start throwing objects, hard objects, and you start to try to break down the board, you're gonna get something in response. And if you didn't think that was gonna now, I think this is much like South Vietnam trying to play for the cameras back during the Vietnam War, of course, it is exactly
1: in the same way that Hamas plays for the cameras, and we get the propaganda where they force their own people to hide in military installations so that they can actually – they want their own people to be bombed so that they can put this on Western television and say, here's how horrible Israel is. They've killed children that we've actually used as human shields. So it's it's, it's always the same game. We want – pictures and images that override reason because this is all predicated on emotion, Mm -hmm. right? We want an emotional reaction to this, which is look how awful this is. By the way, pay no mind that this was going on routinely for the eight years under the light worker. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Now it's awful because Hitler is doing it. And all I want people to say is so that we can have an honest political discussion. If you want them in and you want no use of non-lethal, rubber bullets and tear gas, when there's actually violent people, then what you really want, just come out and say it is, I don't want us to have a border. I want anyone who comes here to be able to get in. No questions asked, no vetting. Give them whatever they require in terms of government benefits. And that's fantastic if that's your position. The reason they won't say that is because they know that is a complete non-starter, even for most people in the United States who think that, we need to have some sort of you know, comprehensive immigration reform. They don't want that. Right. But they'll never say that. Well,
0: they can't be honest. Just be honest. That's all we ask. Do you think they're going to get in? What do you mean? All of them? Do you think the, the whatever number you – I've seen various numbers. I don't know how many of there actually are. Do you think they're going to cross the border and disappear into the interior while they wait for their – Court date.
1: Well, I I think there's going to be say
0: eight thousand uh, people. Do you think eight thousand people? No, are I don't think they're across?
1: all going to get in. Um, and I think one of the things that Trump, reiterating the fact that he's not going to just roll over, is that you see people are, as we heard, turning back. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not as we it's were promised. <laughs> but I'm sure, sure, there's going to be some percentage. I don't know what yeah. uh, that are going to all going to claim asylum. They're going to have their hearing scheduled. They're going to disappear into the interior. They'll make their way to California or some other sanctuary, Portlandia, wherever they're going to go. And uh, yeah, they'll never, and they'll be in, in the country. So that's, I think that's inevitable. But okay. I don't think, I don't think there's going to be nearly as many uh, had Trump not kind of staked out this position. And again, you can say what you want about Donald Trump and his rhetoric and the fact that, you know, he's demonized people. But the reality is, in terms of what he is doing here, enforcing the border and saying, we have laws. Either abide by them or you're not getting in. I have absolutely zero qualms with what he is doing. I have no issue with the tear gas. That is a standard operating procedure under different administrations. The only reason the media cares now is because they hate Trump and (laughs) this is their M.O., we can, have a, we can have a conversation about whether Donald Trump has spoken recklessly and irresponsibly about immigrants. I actually think in some cases he has, although I also think that's been completely blown out of proportion as well. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the policies right now and his response to this caravan, I have zero issue with it. Is zero. He,
0: is he acting in a racist manner towards – Again,
1: these, what, what towards... is the – tell me the specific action that is racist. I can't. That's right. What, so that's, that's what I would want to know. The people that say this is racist, what are you talking about?
0: Well – I, I believe Joy Behar said he doesn't like brown people. Okay. Therefore, that's why not, they're not coming. If they were whites, he would let them in. You can – I don't we, know where you We can have that a debate from,
1: about what Donald Trump thinks about people, but let, if you want to talk about racist policies, I need to know exactly what you mean. Mm, I agree. Are you talking about stopping people at the border? Is that racist? Are you talking about using tear gas against people throwing rocks? Is that racist? Tell me what you think is racist, and I will tell you whether I agree. I don't believe anything that has been done here is intrinsically racist.
0: I guess I'm I'm able to separate the words from the actions. Now, the words can be reprehensible. Don't get me wrong. But his actions are legal, constitutional, and should be followed. That's what – and I say this to everybody who ever brings this up. If you don't like the law, work to get the law changed. Otherwise, shut up because this is the law. You don't have to like it. But this is what it is. Right. Well,
1: and remember, that the irony of all of this is the guy that is supposedly you know, the new chancellor of the Reich um, who is, is threatening all of our democratic norms, he's actually enforcing the law. Mm-hmm. The guy that nobody had any worries about, right, the guy that was the constitutional scholar, uh, he's the one that re-decided because the law was not consistent with what he preferred – Even though he had said 20 times or more repeatedly, I'm not a king. I can't do this. Well, you know what? I guess he rethought it. He said, you know what? I am kind of a king. (laughs) And so now we're going to have DACA or whatever. That was a complete rewriting by the executive branch of the nation's immigration law. Correct me if I'm wrong.
0: The executive branch can do an executive order, but they can't change laws because they're the executive branch. But but here's the thing. You know, I learned
1: if Congress is not going to act. I will. I will, because that's <laughs> the way it was set up, right? I think that's how the checks and balances work. If the one branch doesn't do something, I get to step in and take over that mm-hmm. branch's responsibilities, right? They've abdicated. That's so it must how be. it works. It must be. Were, was the New York Times rending its garments when this was going? No, they yeah. were cheerleading yeah. because they actually liked the ex- executive unbound. It just because they agreed with his policies. So, again, I hear all of this moaning and this hysteria about donald trump the you know he's he's going to rule us from his throne of skulls well he's actually enforcing the law
0: that's what they don't the like. people
1: that are opposed to this you're you actually liked the lawless executive
0: yeah he, he in this in this instance he is not lawless he is following the law and again if you don't like it you've got congress to try to change the law and the president to sign or not sign and your remedy a- if
1: congress action. will not act is to replace the people in congress Correct. it is not to get out your pen and phone and decide that well all right the smart guy in the white house is going to have to do this for you
0: <laughs> okay so we'll we'll see how that works out i i agree with tony i don't i don't think a vast majority of these people are getting in but i wouldn't be shocked if some do uh, i think it'd be crazy to think otherwise That's that's how our immigration policy seems to follow let's move on um last week there was a climate report that came out from the <laughs> from the president's office even though i don't think Donald trump actually commissioned it it just comes from the president's office uh telling us uh, basically i think we're gonna die yesterday everything's gonna right. pretty much uh you know hold on because it's over um i didn't read the what is it 750 pages or something it was it was more than I was going to read. I've read excerpts. But basically, the world's about to end. Again. If you didn't know that, Al Gore told us in 2003 it was going to end, but it's still here. This time,
1: we really, really mean it.
0: <laughs> yes. It, it, we were wrong the first time, but we're wrong. Not right the first now, time. First 12, we're wrong the 17th <laughs> time, the 37th time. Now, I, I will say, is there, looking at it today, right now, I was just in Arizona, I was in the Grand Canyon. Uh, I didn't notice more pollution. Well, they're not even talking about pollution. Oh, I know they're talking about everything. Gaia is dying as as we speak. But go ahead. Well, I, I mean, this is. I, I find this debate
1: to be somewhat frustrating because the only way that you can actually, I think, make an informed opinion about this is you actually you have to read the stuff mm-hmm. and. The the document that they're talking about has nothing to do with science whatsoever. Okay, what I mean minute. by that is they're studies. They said they're studies. Right. It is a it is a piece of propaganda. Oh. there is actual data. Yes. See, this is the same way it worked every time that the IPCC. They they have something called the summary for policymakers. What that is, is that's when they all get together and they put together their most doom-mongering language they can think of. And this is the summary for the media so that they can trumpet this stuff. Well, if you actually look then, though, because buried in the report itself, their actual data, what it always says is we're not even close to the level of cataclysm that this is making it out to be. And so here – a couple of things – About all of these reports every time they come out. First of all, why should we listen to any of these people when they have been repeatedly and grotesquely and embarrassingly wrong for the past 40, 50 years? They have been saying this stuff since the 70s. Now then, it was the Ice Age cometh. Yes. Now it's... Now it's the you know, climate change because they don't like to say global warming. The problem for them with global warming right now is we're still basically in a what they have called a hiatus that they can't explain since 2000 where even though CO2, right, this is supposed to be a relationship whereby the more CO2, the more temperature rises. But that hasn't happened for two decades. Mm-hmm. They can't explain it. They don't want to explain it. Every one of their models that they have used to predict what is going to happen. Al Gore, going back into the 90s, have said temperature is going to rise by X degrees, by X date. They've been flatly wrong. Now, again, we go back to the scientific method. These people want to talk about science. (laughs) And the people that are the deniers are anti-science. Well, Are you a denier? I am. I am proudly a denier, yes. Again, I'm not denying that there's climate change. I'm not even denying that the. Who could? I'm not even denying that probably within, if you look at, and again, it depends on what temperature measurements you're looking at. Are mm-hmm. you looking at the satellite data? Mm-hmm. Are you looking at other data? Because the satellite data is the most reliable because it doesn't fluctuate based on where these monitors are located, all this stuff. In any event, I don't deny there's climate change. I don't deny there's even a possibility uh, that man is contributing in some fashion to a slight rise. In global temperature, we're talking 0.5
0: of one degree Celsius, right? But Well, when you say you think man may be contributing, in what way?
1: Well, again, if you're going to say, yes, CO2, greenhouse gases, that's, that's a contributing variable. But mm-hmm. there are literally hundreds of contributing variables. Mm-hmm. But here's the larger point. These people keep saying, you need to listen to us, you need to listen to our policy prescriptions right now, Mm -hmm. otherwise everyone will die. Yes, But they have said that repeatedly and been repeatedly wrong. My understanding of the scientific method is these models that you keep churning out that are wrong, you need to go away and be quiet and rethink your hypothesis. They never... Rethink their hypothesis. They memory hole the last model that was embarrassingly wrong. They ratchet up the rhetoric. And now we have a new, a new projection that's even worse Mm -hmm. and more urgent. And you must do things now. And by the way, what is always, always the solution?
0: Cutting greenhouse gas emissions. Well, no, but and how do we do that? Fossil fuels, getting solar and wind, and whatever else you can. Think we of need that doesn't to. Work.
1: We need to grow government. Oh yes, and we need to redistribute income from certain people to other people, all by the control of various elite technocrats who we're supposed to listen to, even though they have been wrong every time they have made any prediction like this. Yeah, if you look at the if you look at the last UN report. One of the things they concede, here's the best part of this. This is absolutely true. Even if we did all of the things that they want, these draconian carbon taxes, one of the things this calls for is raising basically in the next 20 years, you'd be paying an additional $25 for like a gallon of gas, right? Mm -hmm. We must do it. The seas are boiling. Even if you do all of this stuff, it actually won't lower global
0: temperature why are we doing them not really sure so let's talk about the scientific method you brought it up so the scientific method typically a study will require a 95% confidence interval what's that mean that means if you do the study 100 times 95 out of 100 times you'll get similar results not exactly but similar that means 5% of the time in theory it could be completely different okay now, you can build a hypothesis, as you said, and you can get your data to support your hypothesis. So when we talk about these climate models, they claim everything they're giving is actual data that they've recorded. But you can't – there's no way to verify that. You don't have any records to verify. They don't share the background. So if they said, okay, the seas are three degrees Celsius warmer this year than they were 20 years ago. Well, show me that data. It's just in a report, but there's no published, peer-reviewed anything for this stuff. Or if it is, it's in some climatology garbage that they never actually show the data. So keep that in mind. This is stuff that they could produce any way they want. Now, you brought up reproducible error, error, error. I'll give you an example. There was a a drug uh, combination. It was put to 16 different trials. It failed in 16 different trials. Miraculously, in the 17th trial, it worked. Somehow, through sheer luck, 17th time was was the winner, and guess what? It still didn't work. They just faked the data. The data was literally made up to make it work because it was necessary for this company's bottom line. Stuff like that happens all the time in the scientific community. You can't trust – I mean, some of these journals are so disreputable, I can't even believe they published them. It's amazing. That, to me – is not science. It's no. somebody putting out, as you said, a propaganda statement. This is what we want to believe. You have to believe this. Now, you talk about carbon credits. So let's pay it, I say, pay it an extra $25 for a gallon of gas. What does that money do? What? How does that somehow reduce my emissions? Because I'm not going to pay it. There's, a, there's well, a, I won't pay it, so therefore I won't use the gas. And right. won't cause the, no, but that's. I've talked about this
1: before, is that... On the one hand, progressives generally refuse to acknowledge that taxation, right, confiscatory taxation, has any effect whatsoever on business behavior. Well, wait a minute. Why, why would you assume that an employer who is now faced with additional tax burdens is going to pass them on to a consumer? Oh. They would never do that. Why would you assume that they would eliminate <laughs> some of their employees? That's not how it works. Oh. But. In the one realm that they understand this economic principle, it's when it comes to environmental policy because that's exactly what they understand. Sure. If we tax these businesses that we don't like, the evil fossil fuels, they're going to stop using it as much. Wow. Wouldn't it be remarkable if people like Paul Krugman actually understood this in other contexts? But the point is even what they want to do. Again, all of the – remember all of the uh, – what was this? A year or two ago or a year ago when Trump – Pulled out of Paris, <gasps> and yes. that w- again, that was that the earth world. was going to end. First of all, that was a non-binding, completely non-binding agreement. Yes, most of the never most of the it. countries, well, non-binding meaning most of the participants, including let's say the key one, China, <laughs> never even agreed to do anything. They had these sort of voluntary goals, and meanwhile, they're putting online coal-fired fou- power plant after coal-fired power plant. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it is the cheapest. And most efficient way to produce energy. They don't care. So what the environmentalists in this country said is, listen, we still need to cripple our economy, even though the world's largest producer of pollution and CO2 is doing nothing. And all of this stuff, even if it's implemented again in 100 years. We actually can't even say that it's going to lower global temperature. We should just do it anyway yeah, because we feel better about yes. ourselves. Great thing to do and Tom us. Steyer is crying. <laughs> we need to do it for Tom Steyer, <laughs> the man who's a hedge fund manager who made billions in the coal industry. And now, because he's not stupid, sees oh, Now I can make billions with green boondoggles. Now I'm the world's foremost
0: environmentalist. <laughs> well, it does. It brings up that question. So I've seen online and I'm going to get to it. A slightly different section of this topic, but I've seen online people saying the reason solar energy is so expensive is because people haven't been forced to use <laughs> it. <laughs> that, how, how does do, that work? So understand something about solar energy. The efficiency of a solar panel takes, a, to, to pay off a solar panel, it takes about 25 years, 22 to 25 years to recoup the cost of the solar panel. You get, approximately, even at the best yield, 3% of the energy from the sun that you can use. Now, here's the little secret. you got to be able to put it somewhere because you're not using it all at once. See, with gas, it just sits there. It's inert until you use it, or diesel, or propane, or coal. It's not doing anything until you need it. With solar, it only comes out when the sun's out. This is called intermittency. Hmm, what do we do with this? So we put them in batteries. Well, guess what? Batteries can't last forever. And you're using pollutants as well to make the batteries. They're not clean batteries. So at the end of the day, you've put in a huge system. Now, here I saw this some online commenting about this. They said, well, we'll just get the government to pay for it. Right. To which I laughed heartily because I said, hello, you are the government. It's your money. The government doesn't have a stockpile of money where they say, oh, we'll just throw it at solar and that'll make it work. You've got to take it from people to give discounts to put something up that doesn't work that well and th- wind is even worse sure. wind's even worse and hydroelectric only if you live near somewhere you can use yes. that it's it's kind of d- based on location if you want
1: to if you want to understand this you need to read you need to read about a couple of things in this area because again um, solar and wind i think right now in the sort of global energy use Solar, wind, sort of biofuels represent something less than 4%. Mm-hmm. Okay, 4% worldwide Worldwide of the current energy. use. So when you hear people talking about, we're just going to transition to solar. We're yeah. No, no, we're not. Oh. And we're not, even, we're not even close. We're not yeah. even five decades. Now, one of the reasons we can't do that, as Chad was referring to, is because of concepts of scale and because of concepts of something called power density. Okay, what does that mean? Well, that means that that certain types of energy um, are far more efficient than others. Wind and solar are among the most inefficient. Meaning, in order for you to generate equivalent power of like a barrel of oil, you've got to confiscate hundreds, if not thousands, of acres of land, mm-hmm. right? And that's difficult to do. And by the way, that carries all of its own environmental problems. Mm-hmm. Intermittency. What Chad said is, guess what? When the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, if you're going to use this type of energy on a macro scale, what do you have to have as backup? you got to have evil fossil fuel backup yes, because yes. otherwise everything will shut down. <gasps> this is why in Germany, which were supposedly the leader of this movement, their electricity costs are skyrocketing, have been, their taxes are through the roof, and in fact... It's not working because their power grid is unstable, Mm -hmm. and so they have to back up all of their solar and wind with more fossil (laughs) fuel-powered stations in order to make sure that we're not in a blackout scenario, right? Nobody is opposed to cleaner technology. The question is... Can you mandate that people shift? Should the government be in the business of saying, because we have ideological preferences, and this sounds really groovy and gives us a warm, toasty feeling, we're going to make you do this sort of stuff? And by the way, we have distorted the market because we've subsidized it out the wazoo, mm-hmm. so we don't even recognize the true cost. Because if the government pulled all of its money, there would be no Your way— money. Your yes, money. our money— <laughs> nobody there may be private investors that are pursuing this, of course, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be used because no. it is not economical well it's a it's a it's a money pit it's a black hole so I was in Arizona
0: last week, and you would think Arizona a lot of sun, desert, you would think there'd be solar everywhere, and there was some solar, so I was talking to some people I said, well you know why isn't there more solar here because you've got sun most of the year and I was told. Well, we've had a good initiative going, but the power companies fought against us because we were – any energy we created, we would sell back as credit to the power company. Well, they passed a law two years ago that no longer allows them to sell that back. So there's no incentive to make extra energy to sell back because you don't get it and it costs way too much to do. So it's not happening. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make financial sense right now, at least as it exists. One,
1: one other point that I think needs to be made is – Wherever you come down on sort of climate change or whatever you want to call it, it's, it's really just global warming. Um, that is not the sa- – that issue is not at all the same – in other words, I oppose – what I oppose is most of the proposed policy solutions to the claim that we are undergoing catastrophic anthropogenic global warming, meaning catastrophic man-made global warming. I don't believe that the science has proven that, first of all, there actually is ongoing global warming right now because mm-hmm. this has fluctuated over the centuries. And right now we're in a cooling period or at least a – not cooling period. We're in a – we're in stasis. Yeah. Okay? But yeah. The, the bigger point is that issue and all of the policy uh, issues that come with it is not the same thing as saying I oppose environmental stewardship. Okay?
0: We'll we're into that, We're know?
1: Christians. Yeah. Okay? And even if you're not a Christian – I don't think there's many people other than, yes, the mustache twirling oil barons and whatever else, the CEO of Exxon who, you know, who bathes in petrol. Um, everyone agrees that we should try to make sure that we limit pollution, that we take care of the planet. Sure. Are there, there, are there rapacious corporations out there mm-hmm. right now dumping? T- of course there are. Right? And we have laws, hopefully, and regulations that prevent that. Now, Donald Trump is stripping them away. The Lorax is weeping. Whatever. Okay? The point is, actually, he's not stripping them away. And fracking, okay? Take fracking. Mm-hmm. Fracking, by the way, if you want to talk about national security, one of the best things that could have happened to this country, technological innovation, which, remember, peak oil? Remember mm-hmm. the whole notion of peak oil? We're mm-hmm. going to be done. That's mm-hmm. it. The oil is over. No, it's not. We are now in. In the process of becoming the largest oil-producing country in the world. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's basically Russia, <laughs> us,
0: Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia. Yeah.
1: Okay, And wh- how are we doing that? Because we actually developed technology, hydraulic fracturing, that allows us to essentially have unlimited oil capacity now under all of these different, you know, the back-end fields, whatever. Fracking reduces CO2. Okay, one of the reasons that over the last 10 years, the U.S. has dramatically reduced its CO2 emissions. And remember, CO2 is the devil. Mm -hmm. Right. That is what. Well, this causes a problem for environmentalists who hate fracking because, of course, they do. But (laughs) fracking is one of the main reasons that our greenhouse gas emissions have been slashed. So I'm not. So this
0: is this also is about cost. Mm-hmm. And benefits, sure. Trade offs. Well, fracking didn't exist. Fracking technology has existed longer than it's been used because it, it the cost was not there. The benefit was not there to use it because sometimes when oil prices are low and it's dropped down a little bit, uh, it doesn't. It's not cost effective. But when the oil so prices are none high, so none of the people
1: effective. that in in my experience, none of the people who are um, climate alarmists. OK, the people that say we must do all of this stuff, they never want to have a conversation, a concrete discussion of, all right, what are the costs that your proposed policy will impose and what are the benefits? What are the putative benefits? Meanwhile, what are the costs right now that are being imposed by fracking? And look, there's there are pollution issues, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there, there is no there is no energy that exists that does not have. A potential detrimental effect in some way on the environment. So we need to discuss those things. What are those costs measured against those benefits? Mm -hmm. Fracking has a lot of benefits. Mm -hmm. And it's not just benefits to the evil corporations who don't care about the birds. No. It has national security benefits. We're not reliant on other nations' oil. Mm-hmm. It has, if you believe in global warming, it has massive benefits in reducing CO2. Okay? It has massive benefits to average Americans everywhere because it drives down the cost yeah. of all of their utilities. There's also jobs. Involved. There's jobs. All of these things need to be factored in. They don't want to have that conversation. No. They just want to yell at you and say, if you're not in favor of immediately implementing the latest doom-mongering proposals, mm-hmm. then you're a denier and be gone with you. Yes. That's essentially the debate. Yes,
0: let me play this there's a gentleman we are kind of dance around it but it's called creation care. And I wasn't familiar with it so I went and did some research. I got a gentleman here who's a pastor in Indiana who talks about creation care. So let's play that.
4: One of the things that's strange for so many people is the the words environment and evangelical. But really, I just consider myself a disciple of Jesus, not environmentalist our Bible says "Out from the very beginning that God created Psalm 24 says the earth belongs to the Lord and so we're just supposed to be caretakers of this earth we're commanded to care for it literally Genesis 2:15 says to tend the garden and so my role as being a Christian is to preserve God's creation and among that is God's children in fact our tagline is creation cares a matter of life because we're very concerned with what pollution does to children both born and unborn and that's our biggest message is to help them to see the health impacts that we cause by damaging God's creation. You know when I talk around the country I think the, the biggest problem in the evangelical church is, is first as a matter of being more biblical literate and I think that's the biggest roadblock we have to see is that people haven't been taught, people haven't been trained, people haven't read the Bible with this way of looking at it that we're supposed to be caretakers of creation. We've gotten too hung up in some of the old language about what does dominion mean, and it thinks it gives us the right to pillage instead of being the right to be a steward. And so, helping make those changes and help people becoming aware of those issues is my biggest job.
0: So, he talked about pillaging and got hung up on dominion, and he kind of wants to. <laughs> so, I have a problem with this guy in the sense that. He's picking and choosing what he wants to believe from the Bible. No, no. Well, okay. Let me read. So I'm going to read from the King James Version because that's the old school most closely related with what people grew up with. And God blessed – this is uh, Genesis 128. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and evening and morning were the sixth day. So he he commands us to take control of it. Now, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, We're not supposed to just dump and pollute God's earth. It it is God's. We didn't create it. He did. I, I totally agree with that. But I get the impression from this guy. Maybe I'm reading him wrong, and I'm, I'm, everything I'm reading online makes me feel like maybe they think we shouldn't use like like the vegans will say, well, you shouldn't eat the meat, or you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't get the oil or the fracking because it's destroying God's earth. But, you know, I, 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 maybe I'm the one guy getting hung up on dominion because I feel like God gave us the planet, gave us the fruits of uh, what He pr- produced, and we're supposed to use it to better ourselves make clothing, you know, provide shelter, food, whatever he gave us is fair game. You now, you go to the Old Testament, certain things you weren't allowed to eat, but that's different discussion.
1: Well, I actually didn't find—he was doing fine, in my view, when yeah. he was talking about the idea that we are called to be good stewards of God's creation. Sure. And so I don't really dispute—see, this whole thing about uh, well, uh, the people that disagree with me want to pillage. Okay, I actually don't know— Almost anyone who thinks that. I think I, in nineteenth the century, maybe there's. Robert I don't know. Maybe there's an evangelical militia out there who, who, you know, live in no. the tar sands and believe that we should just destroy the entire earth because we want to make millions of dollars. Maybe that's a sect that exists that I'm not aware of. But here's the thing: they want to jump from that premise, that theological premise, which it, which is biblical
2: mm-hmm.
1: stewardship of God's creation. Caring for the planet, making sure that future generations are not in a position where they 're going to be sick and ill, mm-hmm. right the, um, the notion of you know the welfare of the city sure. right, but they didn 't want to immediately jump to one. Well, that means you need to agree with everything I say about climate change mm-hmm. no no no, no, i 'm sorry because the things that climate change and the policies that you are prescribing i don 't agree. Mm-hmm. I do not agree that those policies are going to lead to the things that you say they are going to lead to. So we can all be in agreement that Christians should care for the environment. The dispute what, define care for the environment because I think that okay. So defined. we don't we don't take trucks and dump chemical sludge into our oceans. That's we fair. don't we don't gratuitously kill the beasts of the field if we don't need to, yeah. to for sport or whatever. Okay. Those sorts of ideas, right? We don't pump all sorts of poisonous gases into our our atmosphere to make money and then don't worry about the fact that people now have lung cancer. Those sorts of things. Again, modernity requires certain trade-offs because you're never going to have a planet where there's no pollution. The question is, how do we best manage that? But the larger point is, I don't agree that climate change is at all the same thing. And more importantly, The remedy, the so-called remedy for climate change, is it all the same thing as saying, we're not going to pollute the earth. See, what he wants to do then is read you the litany of the latest doom prophecy Mm -hmm. from that and say, see, and if you're a good Christian, you must agree we will immediately handle all of these things. And what I would ask somebody who does believe in the fierce urgency of now as it relates to climate change, don't just tell me about my obligation as a Christian To care for the earth, because I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I want to know what specific policy are you advocating that I should agree with? Because climate change is a whole bundle of policies that they're demanding. So, for instance, should a pastor in an evangelical church, if we are committed to climate care, stand up? Creation care. Oh, that's right. Yeah, creation care. I've got climate on the brain. (laughs) Creation care. Well should the pastor then stand up and tell the people that go there that you should support carbon taxes? I don't believe so, no. Well, because that's part of creation care if you believe about the remedies for climate change, Mm -hmm. okay? Should the pastor stand up and say, you need to stop driving SUVs and you need to start using windmills and solar panels? Is that part of what an evangelical pastor should be telling his congregation? I don't believe so,
0: but I believe there are people who think that's oh, what should be I, happening. Oh, I absolutely think. And we're they're... probably going to upset some listeners because you may be on that side. But if you say the church, the evangelical church as, as a body, whether it's a local church or a larger group, what would you have the church do? What, right.
1: I want exactly to know what those proposals are. And here's here's the thing. So there are many people who think that would be a great thing for a pastor to say. Go drive a Prius put away your muscle car and go drive a Prius, right? But here's the problem. See, this is why this is not part of what the church should be doing. The church should be saying, we have an obligation as Christians to care for the environment. You, we, Each person needs to figure out how they are going to do that. But for instance, go drive a Prius. Well, guess what? A Prius, when you're driving it around, doesn't produce very many emissions, obviously. But do you know how many emissions are produced when it's actually being manufactured? Mm -hmm. Oh, a whole bunch. Because they have to mine nickel for the batteries. And they have to use super tankers to get them over here. And so if we're going to do this analysis, because no one ever wants to think about that part of it, once I have my shiny Prius, I'm doing my job. Sure. The process by which your Prius came to market is far more destructive if you're going to focus on emissions into the atmosphere than driving around in a panzer tank. Okay. Right. So this is the problem with these policy based remedies where people are saying, this is what the church has to advocate. Because here's the thing. They're not correct. <laughs> they're simply not correct. And it, I view if a church is going to go down the road of saying, we believe As Christians and evangelicals, we must do A, B, and C. To me, that is no different. That is no different than a pastor standing up and saying, you need to support people who support originalist judges. (laughs) What's the difference? There isn't. Because you know what? I can make the argument that that's also an incredibly important life issue Mm -hmm. because those judges are going to protect. Now, I don't believe at all that that should be said from the pulpit. It shouldn't be part of a church's statement of faith. But I believe that those are exactly the same kind of issues. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree with you, and I think that we get these like I read about a church I don't remember <laughs> what it was I think it was New England somewhere where they went total solar. They put up solar panels, and that is their entire electrical use comes from solar now again, there's batteries, so it's not totally without issue. but you know if you have a grass yard, do you have goats, do you have cows, do you have horses? What cuts that grass? Maybe you have a rotor mower and that's what you're doing. Do you you live somewhere where you actually have to drive, whether it's a hybrid, uh, all electric, you you ride your bike? I mean, we live in a society where you need to get to certain places. You cannot just, okay, I'm I'm giving up the car. You know, it's 25 miles by bike to where I got to get to work. I'm going to leave at 4 o'clock in the morning so I can get to work. I feel like God gave us this planet. He gave us the resources on this planet. We didn't make them. I didn't make coal. You didn't make coal. It's here. Oil's here. He gave it to us to use. I I have to believe in God's infinite wisdom. He knew we might actually use that coal for heat and power. He knew we'd use the oil for gas and, and transportation. It's not like he didn't know this was coming. He gave it to us. If he didn't want it to have it, we wouldn't have right, it. And
1: again, and the point is, if there was actually... Right now, the ability to transition off of all fossil fuels to, um, you know, using the flux capacitor. Sure. No one would be against that. No. But this gets back to the costs and benefits. One of the things that, and Bjorn Lomborg, okay, just as an example. This is a very famous environmentalist. He is a man of the left. He, he's an environmentalist, okay? Mm-hmm. He is a guy that is not supporting polluting the planet, but he and a large number of other climatologists, And physicists and people that study this stuff who are, of course, part of the the skeptics have said, listen, actually, a slight bit of warming over the next century is good for the planet because it increases crop growth. Mm -hmm. There are things that are beneficial, obviously, a large increase, not good, but. This, These are policy discussions that are incredibly complex. And what the people who are these sort of ardent climate change true believers, they don't want to debate about this. They don't want to acknowledge there is a scientific dispute about most of this, mm-hmm. which is incredibly arrogant. Again, <laughs> given their track record, mm-hmm. which is abysmal, mm-hmm. point me to the model that you just cited to, that got any of these predictions correct. Oh, that doesn't exist. Oh, sorry. sorry. Sorry We've revised it again and again. In fact, where we started this segment, that um, statement from whatever it was called, the latest uh, latest end of the world. But here's the thing. If you actually look at the presumptions that are built into those predictions, they're ridiculous. Mm -hmm. In other words, they assume every variable... That could be, you know, moderate, bad, or they assume the worst possible scenario mm-hmm. in order to. So they're garbage in were It'd be like saying, think of it in terms of like the family budget, honey. <laughs> I've done a model and I predict that next year we are going to have an additional 2 million dollars in income. Oh, that sounds good. How is that going to happen? Well, first of all, I'm assuming we're going to win the lottery. Second of all, I'm assuming that I'm going to be uh, signed on by a Premier League uh, football team. Uh-huh. Uh, also, and in my spare time I'm going to race on the Formula 1 circuit and we possibly have a distant relative who is in the has many oil and gas holdings <laughs> that they we're going to inherit, yeah. right? That's what they're doing mm-hmm. with these estimates. Mm-hmm. Look at the things that they are assuming in that report. They're not realistic at all. Why did they do that? Because they want to ratchet up the worst possible outcome. Right. So there are legitimate and complex and thorny issues Mm -hmm. that are to be discussed and should be debated. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line for me is that this notion that climate change is happening, fine. I'm with Mm -hmm. you so far. Yeah, the environment – is constantly changing Mm -hmm. Um, that man is contributing to it. Okay. I'm with you. The next step is that it is a catastrophe. Nope. The science doesn't support that at all. Mm -hmm. And your models have been proven wrong over and over. And then fourth, you must immediately and uncritically accept all of my proposals, Mm -hmm. which essentially mean larger government, more taxation and redistribution of wealth to the detriment of millions of people. Sorry, I'm not buying in. And by the way, you're supposedly a scientist. Those are policy questions. You have no particular expertise. Give me your data and be quiet. Yeah, pretty, okay? much, pretty much. We'll evaluate the data. We'll probably disagree. But Al Gore is not even a scientist. But when you have someone who's a meteorological physicist or whatever, you don't get to then say, oh, by the way, that means carbon tax of 37%. <laughs> no, no. <laughs>
0: you were all finished when you presented your paper. Yep. We got your data. We'll yeah. take it under advisement. We'll, we'll, we'll take it under advisement now. Yeah, don't don't forget, people that the climate change. I agree, climate change exists because we've got records during the the late Roman Empire. There was a cooling off period, so crop yields went down during the the 1000 AD approximately. There was a cooling off period in the 13th century. There was a cooling off period in Europe, where there was poor harvest for more than a decade. It happens. Climate does change that's what climate change is about it's different from a period to another period it doesn't mean the world is about to end it just means it changed because that's what it I, does i would just
1: encourage everyone you need this is not a subject that you can you can uh, trust really any media source particularly with with these headlines for instance it's very um it's publicized you know all of these dramatic weather events are increasing actually that's not true it's not true at all. The last 20 years, there have been numerous peer-reviewed studies. We are not having more hurricanes. I mean,
0: Katrina wasn't. We are not
1: having more tornadoes. No. That, that, is, that is just not true. Yes. It, they want you to believe that. They're more
0: publicized, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely. So I would encourage anyone, if you're really serious about this, and I'm not putting myself out there as some you know incredible expert, but I have read a lot about this stuff on both sides, um, look into it beyond sort of the New York Times headlines. Look beyond the Fox News headlines. Yeah. Okay. Look at whatever you want to
0: look at. Look Look at at some
1: of the people who are former members of the IPCC, the people that actually were scientists on the first go around on this, who have fled that movement because they believe it has become politicized and it is now not about science. It's about propaganda. And believe me, it's not just a handful of people.
0: No. It just isn't. No, it isn't. We're going to transition to the important part of this conversation. Sports. Um Finally. Finally got to the meat of the, meat of the night. Uh, first of all, college football is over. It ended last week for me when Michigan got throttled by the Wow, that was, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing to say I was a Michigan fan because uh, Michigan wasn't there. I, I don't know who played, but it wasn't their starters apparently because they looked like they couldn't get out of the way. I believe, and I've stood by this, Jim Harbaugh has to win something before I care to put him on any mount of anything. He hasn't done anything. That was um, he choked. That was kind of stunning. He's a choking dog. I think. (laughs) I think every single time. See, Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin at Penn State had the same problem. They don't know how to beat Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's got lots of things going on. Physically, he's he's in terrible shape, and he still beats these two clowns. So until you beat Ohio State consistently, shut up because you haven't won anything. And I'm a Michigan fan. Stop talking. You can go on a 50-game winning streak and you play Ohio State and you lose that badly. Don't talk. Just stop well, talking. Well, it was
1: actually amazing to watch that Michigan game because...
0: What was the amazing part?
1: Well, it was amazing <laughs> that, number one, it became, in some ways, it became very apparent that Ohio State ha- and has grotesquely underachieved. Sure. Uh, now, they only had one loss, but I mean, yeah. they... They, they looked long, bad in They barely beat Maryland by 52-51. They got... Purdue housed them by 29. Yeah. But... You're correct. Urban Meyer is a much better coach cool. than Jim Harbaugh. And now here's the thing. I just read a profile about, isn't it, uh, Brown is Michigan's defensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly a great defensive coordinator. And going into that game, Michigan was by acclaim and yeah. by statistics the best defense of the country. They had no idea nope. how to deal do. at they all. Do. And here's what, because Michigan basically plays man. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're, they're no, they don't scheme you. They mm-hmm. just line up. Well, Urban Meyer figured out, hey, okay, guess what? All of my receivers are faster than all of Michigan's corners and linebackers, so we're just going to keep running crossing patterns. They won't be able to cover us, and we're just going to throw 10-yard passes that go for 50 over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And they never figured out how to stop that.
0: I don't think I think they figured out how to do it. They just didn't have the people who could do it. Well so that that's was part of the problem. That also shows That's you that recruiting.
1: Ohio State among the big ten teams is the closest to an SEC team mm-hmm. in terms of the depth of talent they have on their roster.
0: Mm-hmm. They don't always play up to their talent level, but when they show up and do play, mm-hmm. you have a problem. Well, I think if Ohio State played Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, and maybe Wisconsin, I think if they played them twelve times in a year, they'd be great. They'd be undefeated. It's when they let their guard down with other teams like Purdue or something else. Michigan came in, riding high, thinking they were going to be all that, and they weren't. They they got destroyed. So for me, it ended. I think I also saw a stat, uh,
1: this may be wrong, that Urban Meyer is now 7-0 and at Ohio State in games where his team has been an underdog. Or maybe that's in his whole career. Because actually, yeah. I don't think Ohio State has been an underdog that many times.
0: That seems But high.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's for his entire coaching career he has never lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would include Florida, and where was he before? Utah. Florida, where his team has been an underdog. Which, that, that tells you that when the guy sits down and decides, I've got a game plan... I mean, I believe that Urban Meyer, you think what you want of him personally. I mean, a lot of people think he's kind of a weasel. He certainly mm-hmm. hasn't had a good season in that regard.
0: Well, I don't think he should be coach this year. I, think I mean, other than fired, other than yeah.
1: Saban and maybe Dabo, I mean, those are the three guys. Those yeah. are the three guys.
0: Well, look at the success. Saban came from the Big Ten and went to the SEC and has been very successful. Urban Meyer came from the SEC, well, didn't come from was in the SEC and came to the Big Ten. The SEC is a premier football conference. Not top to bottom, but at least it's the top half. Yeah, the top. And they understand speed kills. And Big Ten still can't seem to figure that out. Or they can't recruit anybody who wants to play in cold-weather games to go up to Michigan or Penn State or Well, I mean, whatever. They're,
1: they're close. And in certain seasons, they have teams that can compete. But you're yeah. right. I mean, generally, the top SEC teams still have athletes stacked mm-hmm. at each skill position mm-hmm. that just don't exist well, in if you, in, if in any of these other leagues.
0: If you're a top recruit, I don't care where you live in the country, you're a top recruit, you can go where it's warm and comfortable late into December, or you can go to Wisconsin. Where are you going? Because I know where well, I'm going. Well, I don't know about, you know, I don't know whether Alabama in the summer is comfortable. They're not there in the summer. That school's out. They're coming back for late fall. Hey, no, like, they're not. They're
1: not not for college August. football. August. They're back in August. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. It's not warm and comfortable. Well, it's warm. I don't know if it's comfortable. <laughs> it's warm. But you understand what I'm saying. When when, sure. when it comes down to it, you're playing a, – a, traditionally, a, a warm-weather school would struggle if the games were played in the north, but they aren't. This is college football. This isn't the pros. So they play all their cold-weather teams early in the season, and they play everything in the south, and all the bowl games are in the south or the west. It, it, so that they never have to play in the cold weather. I, I'd be interested to see Alabama play in – Wisconsin in the, in the snowstorm I'd be very interested to see how that worked out I'm sure it wouldn't be as good a game as they have they beat Georgia tonight Alabama beat Georgia so well
1: unbelievably so I didn't watch this game because we were actually it was with my family we were at dinner and I was looking at it on my phone Georgia was dominating that game
0: they lost by a touchdown, 35-28.
1: They were winning 28-14, to 14, and their kicker shanked like a 30-yard or missed a 30-yard field goal to go up 31-14. to 14. And somehow, Alabama... I, don't, I actually haven't seen any of the highlights it, yet. I don't know,
0: so I haven't seen it either. It's I just think...
1: Uh, who's Georgia's coach? Um, oh, who is it now? He's a former Saban assistant. I'm, yeah, I'm blanking. Be. He's going to commit ritual seppuku. Yeah. This is the second year in a row, if you remember, they were dominating Alabama in the national championship game, mm-hmm. and they They lost. They lost. Yeah. And this game... I, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. I, Jake Fromm was like 19 for 23. Can't I,
0: seem to get it done.
1: It's just amazing.
0: Well, and, and, and I saw today that FanDuel, the online betting site, already paid out people who would bet on Alabama to win. Today, before they played Georgia, they gave them Now, here's them the payout. question, and we got
1: to know the pros, but here's a quick question because I haven't thought about this. Doesn't Georgia still have to be in the top four? You got two losses. How could they be? But they were... They were the better team for ninety percent of that game,
0: but they weren't at the end. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's kind of crazy because I, I think, I think, th- I think what happens is Oklahoma won, so Oklahoma is going to be stay in that four position, maybe the third position now. Well, now it has Cle- to be. Clemson won or well, Clemson. Clemson
1: and Alabama were locks to begin with,
0: so it's Notre gonna, Dame's got to be in too, right? So it's got to be Notre Dame and Oklahoma. Yeah, that's, that's it. your four. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't know who else it could be because um, you can't. I mean, Notre Dame's unbeaten. Yes, right. Yes, they are the, the top three teams are unbeaten. So that leaves one team with a loss, and that would be Oklahoma, who lost to Texas earlier yeah, and revenge and the it thing, I mean,
1: it's really – talk about a tragedy for Georgia because oh, yeah. they were better. Well, they were better for most of the game. I'm not sure if Georgia had won,
0: if Alabama still wouldn't have been. Oh, well, the they would playoff.
1: have had to be in. How could Alabama not be in the playoff? I don't know. Yeah, they would have to be in.
0: All right, we need to talk about the Steelers. So we're going to pl- talk about the Battle of the Berg. Uh, tomorrow night, Tony's Chargers enter the Berg, where my Steelers will – Gack it up, as they usually do against the AFC West. Are you really picking the
1: Steelers to lose?
0: I am picking – yes, I am, actually. And here's why. Kansas City blew their doors off. And Kansas City is a very good team. They don't have Kareem Hunt anymore, but they're a very good team. Uh, Denver is not a good team, and somehow the Steelers uh, De- found a Denver's... way to screw it up every single well, the Chargers
1: single lost to Denver, too. The, De- the Broncos have just beaten the Chargers and the Steelers in consecutive weeks. The Broncos I think are the not... Chargers
0: are a better team. Top to bottom, yeah. Except
1: here is the two things, and this matters in the NFL. Number one, the Steelers are playing at home; they are the Steelers are worse at home than they are, are on the road. Uh, not in not,
0: general. Yeah, Ben Rothbard has a better road record than he does a home record. What this year? In the last five years. Now, l- not last week notwithstanding, they're better on the road. No, that's not belonging. in the AFC. Not in not west of the. Mississippi. No, there is no
1: way the Steelers have a better road record than home record over the last five years. No way.
0: I shall look it up while you pontificate.
1: So. Uh, that is in, that is fake news from Chad. <laughs> um, the other point is that not only are they at home, they're coming off a loss, so they. I mean, they're now at the stretch of their season where this is becoming closer to a must-win game, particularly if they're having any hopes of a first-round bye. So they're going to be fired up, ready to go, and even and then the most important thing is the Chargers don't have Melvin Gordon. They do okay, not. Melvin Gordon is one of the top three or four running backs in the league. He is their most important player outside of Phillip Rivers this season and maybe Joey Bosa. Um, I don't see how the Chargers – go and Austin Eckler is a very capable backup, but he's a different kind of player. I don't see how the Chargers go into Pittsburgh without Melvin Gordon with the Steelers coming off a loss and win that game. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think the Steelers win.
0: So uh, let me find the number here. Pittsburgh Steelers have a better on-the-road r- – are better on the road than at the Heinz Field the last pound, past calendar year. So this goes back to last year when they lost to the Bears in Chicago. They're eight zero and one in games outside of Pittsburgh, and they are. let find it here. Six, six, seven, and for one, what going well, back a year? Going back a calendar year. Yeah, so that's I, a
1: small sample size. I don't disagree,
0: but you should play better at home. The Steelers yes. should play better at home and for whatever That's reason That's why home field advantage is important in the playoffs. But for some reason for the Steelers at least of late, it doesn't seem to be the case. Now, there's also a weird stat where if they play in the uh play west of the Mississippi, uh they tend to have a lower record, a worse record. I don't know why. It's just, it's kind of weird. Um What's your prediction for the score? No Melvin Gordon, okay. 27-24 Chargers.
1: I think it's the Steelers 30 to 21. Okay.
0: I I would be happy with your prediction. I think you'd be happy with my prediction. I don't I don't have a lot of confidence the Steelers are consistent week to week. I don't know what I'm going to get from week to week. They have talent, but I don't know what I'm going to get from week to week and that concerns me because it feels last week felt like they thought they could turn it on at some point and just blow off the doors and they didn't. They could not complete the passes they needed to Fumble. ball control for the Steelers has been not awesome this year. They, they've had a lot of turnovers and a lot of penalties, and those two things don't really help you win a lot of games. Now they have won seven. I understand, but they're just not they're not doing what they want. I think they're still going to get to ten, as you said, mm-hmm. but I think it's not. It's they're going to get to ten the hard way. I don't think it's going to be easy. So I, I think the, the Chargers present an obstacle that I don't know if the Steelers can beat. Now I think they'll beat Oakland next week. <laughs> I think if they don't beat Oakland next week, then I think, then we can... <laughs> but I'm not positive on that. Yeah, it should be. It's, it's almost, it's almost like the Browns of, of the last few years where it feels like Oakland shouldn't be in the game, but who knows? Who yeah. knows?
1: Oakland is a flaming garbage barge. Yes, uh, they are. They're, the Steelers will destroy them.
0: <laughs> but it's in Oakland. Oh, it so. doesn't matter.
1: It doesn't matter. So we'll see who's correct. We're actually both picking against our own teams. Yes. But, um, I, don't I would love to see the Chargers win, but I don't I don't see them doing it without Melvin Gordon. Well, we'll see.
0: That's all I got tonight, Tony. That
1: was too long, but we've been away, so we we, uh, we padded we things been. for uh, for a while.
0: Thanks for sticking around. We appreciate it. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. <laughs>
3: This has been a Hannah Tree production.